come up with a list of what you think your your top five or six stumbling blocks are. What's your biggest challenge? Stack ranking. And then just like we do with with our rocks where we're trying to meet our yearly objectives, that's actually what we did on Monday and Tuesday of this week. We picked a couple of areas where if we're going to double, we need some additional systems and processes to change. So pick that area, whatever that area is, whether that's communication, whether that's uh, on the marketing side, whether that's in the process of the business, pick it, focus on, knock it into small, manageable chunks that you can solve and be relentless in solving that first The road of an entrepreneur is guaranteed to be askew, and there are always big questions to overcome. How are tech founders bootstrapping their way to the top while spending money from their own pockets? How do they scale a startup that is primed for a successful exit, yet still remain profitable? These are the types of questions that this podcast will help answer, and it will shine light onto the livelihood of entrepreneurs, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the dirt in between. My name is Jim Barnish, and welcome to the dirt. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Dirt. We are blessed to be joined by yet another stellar growth stage founder and CEO today. His company's mantra, Lift Up, is what really drew me to invite him to the show, which we'll hear more about later. Also intriguing was his recent scale, tripling in revenue this year and set to double annually over the next few years. Talk about a lift up. But things weren't always so golden for the business as they never are. So as always, we're going to talk about the journey, the dirt, and how he had to overcome all kinds of challenges going from a couple million to 10 million to 50 million and beyond. Founder and CEO of Spock Automation, Bobby Mason, say hello to everyone. Well, good morning, Jim, and and thank you. It's just an honor and a privilege to be with you this morning. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to have you. Let's start with Lift Up. What is LiftUp and why is that such an important part of Spock Automation? Wow, that's a great question. And it, fundamentally, it is the, the essence of our entire business. It's a, it's a journey and a story. And LiftUp is really what we call our culture. Hmm. It is our core values. It is our mission and our purpose. And, and we are a we're a high-tech automation company. We fancy ourselves because we're based in Alabama as high-tech rednecks. <laughs> we're, we're in the energy space. We started in oil and gas and, and bridged that into hybrids in the future and, and, and software monitoring so- solutions. And, but really, lift up is about people. Uh, we, we try to lift up the individual and give them a, a place where they can grow and thrive and their families can thrive. Uh, we lift up each other as a team because everybody that is on your left and right is important and valuable and an innovator. And if they weren't, they wouldn't be here. And then we lift up our company through through the products and the gifts and the intellectual uh, gifts that we've been given. And we lift up our customers. And we used to stop at lift up the, the country because we felt like if we could help the country be energy independent, that we were helping the country. But uh, with the advent of one of our new companies that we spun off of, thanks to the, the blessing hidden in the, the form of COVID, mm. we now actually believe we can lift up the world through some of the 
products that we have developed in the automation space that are going to save immense amounts of, of uh, diesel burn and emissions and make people's ESG goals uh, profitable instead of just a, uh, a good feeling. So we're pretty excited. Lift up's about culture. It's about people. And and it's core. That's even though we're an automation company, we're about people and solving problems. So so take me back to some of the early days, maybe when you were a, a couple million in revenue or so. You know, take 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 your pick on where you're at around there though. Spock's, you know, uh, not in his infancy, but it's in its early growth, right? What are some of the biggest challenges that you faced in developing the business? That I want to go back a, just a hair further than than that hitting that first couple of million. We're we're a spinoff company that actually kind of goes back to your first question. We started this place because of a culture misalignment. At the time, I worked for a, a family business that my father sold, and the new owners in my youth, I would say, made me mad. But now that I have no hair and hopefully a little more wisdom, it was really a culture misalignment. And, and they, they bought a company that was a high-tech automation company that they wanted to then turn into something else. And they did their due diligence on finance, and they did their due diligence on on the business, but they didn't look at culture. And so I'm that fundamentally this entire company was founded on culture misalignment and a culture that I wanted to foster and grow. And so we had a lot of challenges initially because we're a startup company and you, you have financial challenges, you have space limitations, all of those things, just like every startup does mm -hmm. uh, we had the advantage of of enjoying and embracing technology we've always kidded ourselves about we never want to be on the the leading edge of technology we actually want to be on the bleeding edge of technology and so you know as we built the company up a great example uh, salesforce we we were early adopters we're a, we we've been on salesforce for almost 18 years that that for a for a startup company to invest that kind of money into a, a platform like that, which now today uh, we house our ERP MRP system. The it's used for CRM. We actually do all of our manufacturing uh, process. Everything sits on the Salesforce platform. But that forward thinking beginning allowed us to, to do things like build out a 360 degree view of a client mm -hmm. and, and be able to do some things that multi-billion dollar companies strive for, but never achieve. And, and so we're, we're pretty excited about some of the, some of the early choices, but you've got to put some forethought into where those problems are and how to solve them. And, and since that's really one of our missions is we solve people's problems. We can slow down and think about the things that we need to solve and not paint ourselves into a box for the future. Does that somewhat answer the question or did oh, I? Yeah, it definitely, it definitely does. And you bring up a couple of themes that I want to dig into. So first you've mentioned culture a few times, right? Culture, mission, vision, all, all the above. 
has has that always been from being you know a second generation entrepreneur and and being involved in family business before Spock? Has that always been a focus of you and your families? Is is culture first, or was that kind of a newer thing that became so central to the theme at Spock? You know, that's a that's a funny thing. If you'd asked me that question twenty years ago, I would give you a totally different answer. But again, I think some wisdom and some age has has shed some light there. And that is the answer is yes, we, we really have focused at it from, from the get-go. It is the secret to our success. We, I've been honored and privileged to be able to be on several uh, 15 or 20 different uh, speaking engagements talking about culture. Our culture is so important to us. Literally, we have, we have four aspirational goals as a company, and our number one is, is actually to be nationally known for our culture. We want it to infect not only our people, but we want our vendors to be affected by our lift-up culture. We, our customers are a recipient of our lift-up culture. And so some of, the, some of the biggest victories for me personally and for the company or that we've had multi-billion dollar companies ask us to come in and talk to them about how we did it and, and why we do it. What makes us so different? How do we sustain this, this growth and this creativity and this, this innovative spirit? And it boils down to that. And the culture journey, back to your question, I'm sorry for the rabbit trail there, but the, the culture piece it was not formalized initially. I was very specific in culture and who I hired early on and I had a lot of alignment, but I didn't have a formal program in place. It was not called lift up in those days. And, and really it was about seven or eight years, about eight years ago that we formalized and codified it. Mm-hmm. I had the privilege of sitting in a, in a presentation it was really on execution maximizer and, and kind of like traction and EOS and all of those process things. I sat through a presentation and with Jim Alampi, he was, uh, he was talking about scale and growth barriers to that. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, that, this is interesting. And as he went down the, the path to growth, we're way ahead on technology and infrastructure and we don't have nearly the people we've got the revenue and. And so I'm feeling, you know, beat my chest. I'm feeling good. We're, we're all there, but he got into communication and really the barrier to growth is people. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's people and communicating. I decided I wanted to hire him and have him come in and work with us because we weren't a silent company at all, but that was somewhere we needed, we needed help. And he came to me and afterward, after the, seminar and we talked a little while and I said, I'd really like to hire you and have you come in and work with us. And he said, well, tell me about your core values, your mission and your purpose. And I kind of smiled and I said, well, I've never really put that on paper. This, you know, we, we know who we are. And he said, well, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to work with you if you, if you don't do that. And I kind of looked at him funny because here's a consultant not wanting a consulting fee. Come on. Right. right. <laughs> and, and, and we talked a little while and he said, I'll tell you what, 
I'm going to send you a couple of Harvard business uh, review papers. Don't you read them? And then if we'll have a conversation and if you're still not interested in doing those things, we'll just agree to disagree. And so I did. And it was companies that had longevity that were making a difference in the world that were really companies that I admired and I wanted to model uh, pieces of uh, what they've done. And we, we call it spockification. We pull the best out of everything and then we spockify it. <laughs> but, uh, I read him. I called him back up and I said, uncle, you're right. I, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm being an immature leader and I need to grow up. Um, and how big were you guys about at that time? Point, you know, we were sitting in the 40 ish, 40, 45 million range. Got it. And, and sporadic because we were totally in oil and gas. So you can have some violent swings at times. Kind of smoothing out around in that in that range in that in that low forties, he came in. We we talked. It was kind of funny because I told him, I'm, "I'm telling you, I know who we are. It's all good." He said, "It could take you eighteen months to two years, some companies, to actually flush out." I said, "I know, we know." He said, "Well, you and every other client I've ever worked with said you know, so go through this two day exercise of of." Working on those things, working on our one, three, 10 year goals. And uh, in 45 minutes, my leadership team had nailed our five core values, which are gratifying, committed, uh, solution focused, caring, and uh, passionate. Which, if you can't hear passion in my voice, sorry, I'm on on, uh, maybe radio only, but I love this stuff. And I love the people I do it with. So since I spend more time with them than I do my family, I should love them. And that's part of culture is it's, it's aligning yourself with people that that have the same goals and aspirations. And, uh, we nailed it in 45 minutes. We had our, our mission, our purpose, our, our stuff. And he was even blown away and I actually doubted myself afterwards. And so we went back and we were kind of flushing out. Tweaking our own definitions a little bit, wordsmithing exactly how we wanted to present it to the company. And I kept, kept haunting me in the back of my mind that this isn't 18 months. This is more like 18 minutes. So I hired another consultant that came in and they sat with our people in the different departments, out in production, in warehouse, engineering, just all throughout the company for about two weeks. And they came back with this, this report It's about 70 or 80 pages. And I remember that distinctly because I'm dyslexic and you hand me an 80 page report and I'm just like, I shut, you know, shut down. I'm, I'm, I'm out. Show me the dashboard. That's it. I'm give me a dashboard any day. And, and, and I'm all on that. So he slid it across my desk and he just said, Bobby, here's the deal. This is going to read like a, a kind of a kiss re behind report you have something amazing it is special it's unique however there's a few areas that you could work on and i well, i don't care about i don't i don't need the robes cl- colored glasses tell me where we can get better that's really all i want to know and there was a few areas and it was around communication again i have the honor and privilege of being able to talk to clients and talk to customers and get feedback. And, and, and I know 
when they're happy or when they're less than satisfied. But the men and women build this stuff, the, 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 the core nucleus of this place. They don't get that privilege and they don't get closure. So we identified a gap in our business where they, they didn't get the honor and privilege of knowing that for months and years, I poured my blood, sweat, and tears into these products. Mm-hmm. Don't get to hear what did it solve your problem? Was it professional? Was it there when we promised you it was going to be there? Did you like it? Did it solve your problem? And so we, we instituted a lot of different things around the culture. Uh, we, we, we codified it all around those things, including them in the process. We implemented voice of the employee and voice of the customer into the culture piece of the company to try to bridge that gap. And the results have been astounding. As a matter of fact, I've, I've had people ask me, you know, you, you put all of this effort into culture and is it profitable though? I mean, is it just a recruiting tool? The answer is yes to all of them. We have been blessed with being the, the best place to work in Birmingham repeatedly year after year. We've won it at the state level. We've been recognized by Inc. Magazine as one of the best places to work in America. Our, we, we've made the Inc. Uh, 5,000 fastest growing company uh, for a private company multiple times. And all of that is a result of the tenure. We just celebrated in our lift up award ceremony in December. Uh, we celebrated three people that have been with us 20 years. And as a celebration, we gave them 10 grand and we wanted to take an extra week of vacation and take whoever they want to take and go somewhere on us and, and thank you for being part of something special. And those things in a, in a labor crisis that we are in today, mm-hmm. we don't have a labor crisis. We have a, we have a, a stockpile of candidates that want to join us as a company that's in hyper growth mode. I mean, we'll be adding 50 plus people this year and probably again next year. The culture that we've invested in for now going on a, over a decade or actually two decades, really, from its inception, the Lift Up Fullerize program, it yields incredible dividends from, from a customer, from a vendor, and from an employee. It's a three-legged stool that if any one leg's missing, the stool doesn't stand. So, so Bobby, when, when you're thinking about and speaking to those listening who I'm sure are enthralled by your story and, and trying to connect it to where they might be at right now, which may be... They got started or, you know, most commonly probably they, they haven't really put the energy into culture. How would you, how would you suggest they get started as a, you know, as a, as a, Hey, let's dive in tomorrow in making them, their place a better place to work. That is a wonderful question. And, and I've put a lot of thought into that for, for, for many evenings over my career. Cause I've had a lot of people ask us, I actually, that group, I had a group in yesterday that that a gentleman that was, was doing a plant tour asked a very similar question because he's got a business and he said, how do you scale that culture? I mean, that is, that is 
that's special. Yeah. A lot of places lose it when they start scaling the company. But it, I'll go back to that, that pivotal moment. First of all, I, I, I have to say, I give credit where credit is due. I founded this company with prayer. When I turned in my notice and I quit my job to do this, when I went home and my wife was, was expecting our second child and I told her, Hey, good news. I quit my job and I'm starting a business. And she grabbed my chubby little cheeks and said, have you prayed about this? And I said, absolutely. I have put a lot of thought and prayer into it. feel like this is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I have never had another word out of her other than support praise, which got my home life in line, which helps my business life thrive and find out. I would give any startup company, a, 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 a company that's just beginning the journey or even in the journey define who you are, come up with those core values, come up with your purpose and your mission. I used to tell people. I would have Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 100 companies come in and want to do business with us. And they'd hand me that happy brochure and I'd read it. But I knew the salespeople or the representatives and they didn't live. Uh You can't be genuine and authentic. Don't, please, for the love of Pete, don't do it. Just forget it and just abandon the whole thing. You have to know who you are, what you want to do, and where you're going to go. And if you can be authentic with that, with your core values and your mission, the people that you hire need to be hired based on culture and fired based on culture. And if you know those things, everyone rose the same. Does it mean there's no conflict? No. Does it mean that everything is rosy and doesn't require any hard work? No. But you're aligned with people that believe what you believe and you have a cause and a mission and you can succeed with that. Well said. You mentioned that you had brought in a couple consultants a couple different times, what I would call validate the strength of the company, right? Mm-hmm. And weaknesses as well. That growth-oriented mindset, that value-oriented mindset can be tough as an owner because you're letting a third party in, right? You're opening up, you know, all your weaknesses to somebody else who doesn't really know you that well. Tell me, you know, some, some founders really struggle with that, right? Tell me more about how that was beneficial for your growth and and where you saw the value to maybe do that again sometime, depending on what the need was. No, uh, I'm full of, of stories, but I've, I've got, I actually have a great one that aligns with that question. I'm a member of a, a CEO forum group, Vistage, and, and there's a lot of really good ones out there. And I would highly recommend anyone that isn't using outside consultants and, and peer groups and all those things to reconsider. I know my business extremely well. I've been in this business now for 40 years almost. And I think that I am, uh, I think that I'm borderline an expert at what I do. Okay. However, I don't know everything. If, if, 
if I knew everything, I wouldn't need all these people around to, to make this place work. I need experts. It's no different than your health. You go to a doctor to help fix a specific problem. You go to a nutritionist to help you maintain proper diet. You go to uh, your business is no different than that. You have to humble yourself despite the expert you are. And you are. That doesn't mean that you know everything. Right. And we began using outside help. And I was, I was also privileged to have my father join us after he worked out his tenure with that other sale as, as a partner. So I, I literally had a business consultant with me throughout this entire journey. It just happened to be my father who'd run multiple companies and, and, and been an entrepreneur his whole life. So I'm, I'm a second generation entrepreneur, but with that said, he had always taught me to surround myself with people that are smarter than me and I'm going to look like a genius. And, and so I have been open to help because I know where my strengths and weaknesses are. And sometimes I have blind spots and without that third party, non-biased, neutral viewpoint, sometimes I can't see them and, and they're blind spots. They're not necessarily ego. And, and so any startup get help, get there's, there's people out there that would love to help you and they don't all require you shelling out huge dollars either. Bet them, make sure you know who you're getting your advice from, but, mm-hmm. but absolutely. Even in our, with this hyper growth right now that we're going into, we'll, we'll double again this year, but we just finished up our, our two day strategic planning. We mapped out our one-year goals, our three-year goals, and our 10-year goals. We reviewed our business plan. We made a lot of major tweaks and really honed it in and got it tight with language that a kid that I just hired right out of high school to a, a, a R&D engineer and anybody in between will be able to understand, digest, and articulate where they fit in our journey and how they help us get there. Okay. But I still have hired consultants today to help us in this journey because I've got to double production as well as the the financial side, hired consultants that specialize in industrial engineering to help us map out material flow, to help us map out what kind of footprint we need, how many people we need to achieve these goals. We could do all those things ourselves. We have the in-house talent. However, it might take me six months or, or, or greater, maybe nine months, to come up with the number that I can hire an outside consultant to help me, and I'm going to have an answer by the end of this month. Right. right. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy because we're not willing to ask for help. It's an investment in your future. Well, well said, well said. And now you've got this family of companies. I'll call it for lack of a better word, right? Or maybe that is the right word. Um, nine, nine figure business and growing, doubling. And as you think about what's next, as you think about some of these things around your strategic planning, you mentioned, you know, distilling all those things down into something that's simple and easy to understand. You've also mentioned in a previous convo with me 
how you enjoy just sitting back and being able to watch the team do what they do in some of those planning sessions. Like, talk to me. That's one of the best things in the world, as far as I'm concerned, being able to just sit back and watch your team do what they do best without you needing to say a word. And, and you said something similar as you were going through this planning session. Just, it seems weird as an owner who's is an entrepreneur who starts off having to do everything and then evolving and growing a team that eventually you want to be unnecessary to the business operations in a way. Yes. But talk to me about that journey and, and some of the aha moments you've had as you've grown to nine figures. One of the biggest was that, uh, that first barrier to growth when I sat through that presentation, that, that uh, first million dollars and and it's usually a million dollars in revenue and 10 people or less in headcount. Mm-hmm. Well, when I started this company, I wore an engineering hat, a sales hat, get out there and build it, manufacturing hat, a delivery hat, a collections hat. I used to verbally tell my people the best alternative to work is to have a meeting. That was the most absolute true statement when I'm wearing seven, 10 different hats and yet the worst leadership thing that I ever could have done mm-hmm. ingrained a culture that I had to slew those birds off later on as the, as the company grew. Mm-hmm. I was setting a tone as the leader that communication is not important. And it is, you can't scale without excellent communication because the bigger you get, the faster the wheel gets that, that flywheel picks up momentum. You, you have to, it is just vital. And if you don't have trust and, and people that care and have alignment, that communication is even magnified. And so that was a big turning point for me when I realized that I needed to mature as a leader and put that communication structure into the company. So a lot more meetings. However, a lot more because I hate going to a meeting that is not uh, planned out, that we have a clear agenda that we're trying to do. And we actually grade every meeting. At the end of every meeting, everyone in the room ranks at scale one to 10. Was it a good use of your time? Not that I give a good presentation or any of that other stuff. It's was it a good use of your time? And if it isn't a good use of your time, let's don't meet. Right. And we hold it, and then accountability is the second second leg on that stool. If we're just going to meet to talk, and there's no actionable items, and people are not held accountable to that with deadlines and 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 finishing what the task is, it's it's useless. And so, those are things that we focus on that were pivotal points that helped us get there. And then I've added more process in along the along the journey. Right. And it doesn't really matter what system you use as long as you have one, right? A lot of people right. use EOS, you mentioned traction or your version of it, execution maximizer, right? There's V2 MOM. There's there's all these methodologies, right? It's, it's just finding the one that makes sense for you and sticking to it. I think that's that's what you're getting at. It, it is. As a matter of fact, uh, in the last five years, corporate 
we call them rocks. You can call them initiatives or goals. Mm-hmm. Every quarter, you know, we, we have 90, 90 day goals and they align to our one year goals, which align to our three year goals. But every 90 days we have as a company, we have learned for major corporate rocks that cross departmental lines. We are really good at three or four because it's above and beyond your daily work. Mm-hmm. Once we get beyond that, we don't succeed. We don't get them done. And we've, we've accomplished 68 major initiatives in five years on top of all those other things I mentioned with growth and, right. and that is because we are relentlessly pursuing that consistency. Mm-hmm. And efficiency and productivity, right? I mean, yes. you mentioned all these things that connect to value. And you even mentioned earlier being an early salesforce.com SFDC customer for 20 years, right? Which is unheard of in many ways, considering, you know, that how, how far ago 20 years was and when they were just in their infancy. So, you know, how else have you leveraged tech to improve operational efficiency and productivity? Well, we're, we're a family of three companies. Okay. Spock automation focuses on oil and gas and, and pump and compression controls, anything spinning a, an electric motor, a rotating equipment process. We have the grid company, Spock Grid uh, Inverter Technologies, which is taking those same inverters with different software and applies it in hybrid energy s- solutions. And then we have the third company, which is Spock Scada, and it, it is uh, a monitoring and supervisory control data acquisition through satellite or cellular. So Technology is, is our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are an automation company uh, and a power electronics company. And so we not only do we use Salesforce before, before uh, we moved our ERP system over to the cloud, we actually had five different business systems and, you know, we were good old QuickBooks and you could do everything and nothing all at the same time. We had uh, a third party, uh, uh, software that, that did our bills of material because you couldn't do kits and BOMs very well in QuickBooks. And then we had a separate homemade system that we made for scheduling and MRP. It was just a, a, a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And then we moved every, everything over. We utilize everything, but payroll sits now on that platform and, and it works well. But we use technology everywhere, and it turns out that when black swan events like COVID hit, because we were not averse to investing in technological platforms that have a future, it was not as, it was a catastrophic event because our revenue dropped in 45 days by 65%. Now, that you could call that a black swan event. However, I'm going to go back to our original discussion on culture because of the lift up culture, because we had been prudent with our finances and we had a war chest set aside. I I was able to assure all of my employees, we could go a full 90 day quarter without one single order. And every one of you are going to get a paycheck. Don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Grab your laptops, grab your computers. If you are not in manufacturing, ship 
receiving work from home. And we did. We took that year. And that, uh, that luxury actually, that tragedy disguised as a, as a blessing allowed us to really focus. We had been wanting to get into that space of hybrid energy solutions and just not had been afforded the luxury of time to invest into it. And so we did, and we, we came out of that with not losing a single employee. We, we, we came out with a new company. We've got three patents already, and we're working on some additionals. All of that is technology-based. We would not be here talking about this today uh, had we not invested in our future through the use of technology. And we do everything from paycom for, for payroll so that there's visibility and transparency to every entire uh, employee. Uh, we, we use technology in, in our everyday business transactions. We use video messaging and emails. It's just, it's who we are. Yeah. And if you don't do it, even as a small company, you're, you're setting yourself up for a, for a, a, a potential nightmare. So some, some other companies or some founders who might be listening that may not be as good on the system side, may not be as good on the efficiency and productivity side. What advice in terms of getting started or, uh, you know, up leveling them or lift up, lifting up their own business, would you have for them as it relates to tech and systems? I'll take that same approach that I do with, with anything else. Come up with a list of what you think your, your top five or six stumbling blocks are. What's your biggest challenge? Your stack rental. And then just like we do with, with our rocks where we're trying to meet our yearly objectives, that's actually what we did on Monday and Tuesday of this week. We picked a couple of areas where if we're going to double, we need some additional systems and processes to change. So pick that area, whatever that area is, whether that's communication, whether that's uh, on the marketing side, whether that's in the process of, of, of the business, pick it, focus on, knock it into small, manageable chunks that you can solve and be relentless in solving that first one. And then solve, solve for problem number two. And sometimes you got to solve number one to be able to get to four or five. And so you need to, that's why you need to put some thought into stack ranking because the, the rocks and the goals and initiatives that we today, had we not already solved number one and number 45, we could begin to discuss the ones that we're working on today. Literally, we call them rocks because each one we solve is laying a foundation and building a wall. And we're, we're getting better, better, and getting higher and higher with the, with the, uh, the magnitude that those, those rocks add to the build, to the building of this company. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, we're, uh, we're headed towards the end of the episode. I like to close things off every episode with what I call the founder five, all about growth, all about value creation, all about you. Five questions. Just go quick hit right through them as best as we can. Our way, I'll try to be quick. You've, you've already learned that I may speak the Queen's English. It's a little slow, but there's a lot of it. There's a lot of value in it too, though. So I'll let you, I'll let you continue as, as long as I can. How about that? 
Firewood. All right. So number one, the top metric or KPI that you are relentlessly focused on? Productivity improvement. Love it. And and we look at that a little different. It's not just in getting units out and building. We actually look at that everywhere. Productivity is in accounting. Productivity, everyone here is an innovator. And we actually define that. We break the company into four groups. And we give uh, nominations and awards, just like we do for our core values. We do the same thing for innovation. So at the end of the year, we celebrate, we monetize and monitor where we've made process improvements, either in, in the processes, the products, or the services. Great. That's as quick as I can get that one out. All right. No, that's good. That's good. A lot of value there. So number two, um, a top tip for growth stage founders like yourself. Humble yourself. Put, check your ego, as Jocko might say, and, uh, and ask for help. Surround yourself by, with people that are smarter than you, and you'll look like a genius. Amen to that. All right. Favorite book or podcast that's helped you grow? Favorite book? My favorite book is the, the Bible, because uh, I spend a tremendous amount of time in it. It has so much wisdom from a, a a worldly view, I will say, we actually, this is, we're currently doing this as a company for the second time. Hmm. The entire company, we divide them up and we're going back through extreme ownership hmm. uh, by, by Jocko on how Navy SEALs lead and win. And I love that book because it, te- it, it is all about personal responsibility and accountability to not only yourself, but to your team. And we win as a team and we lose as a team and we really like winning. That's one of our favorite things. And, and so we, I really love that book because it gives you a battle scene and then it gives you a, an application to business. So it really helps you tie those together. It's, it's an amazing thing. My COO was actually telling me yesterday, he was just jazzed up. He was just on fire. He said, man, I just went and we took and we divided the, the company up. So you got a, a warehouse worker, an engineer, a, a CEO, and a, a bunch of guys production. And it's all mixed together in these little small groups. And we break, break the company up and they're going through a chapter every other week and different people are leading. And he said, I got this kid. He's, he's 18 years old. He just been, he's been with us two weeks. He just, he decided he didn't want to go to college. He wanted to, to learn a skill and a trade. And he's, he's leading. He's in there talking about this. He said, this is amazing. I am, my job is easy because they are buying in. They get it. Mm-hmm. So sorry, I get passionate on this stuff. It's, it's just it's no, fun. No need to see these young people, they, they blossom and bloom, invest in them. It is. It Pick is. a book and make sure you do it as a company. That's since, a you great. Since, since you mentioned the Bible, though, what is your uh, favorite verse? Between the between the covers. All However, the I will say it's it. You know, we all, we all have that race to run. Uh, I I am a firm believer in in planting those roots. I talked about Jeremiah. It's my favorite book. It's not just the verses. And I, and I love that analogy of, of planting that, that tree near good water, 
where the roots can go deep and, and then it's generational because my whole goal in this is when I die and I've worked really hard for the last, well, 15 years that if I die, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, this company thrives and each one of these men and women, their jobs are not in jeopardy, but it's not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about helping others and, and our products, our services can change the world. And that is my goal. Great. All right. And lastly, what is going to be the title of your autobiography when you look back and write about your story? Now you got me on my heels. It's funny you say that because of a, my my CMO has been on me for a long time, but I be documented that. I'll close out with something that I say pretty often, and that is, when I die, I would like my tombstone to read, if he told you it was going to rain, take your umbrella. <laughs> I want to be known as, as the guy that I don't, I'm, I'm not going to be disingenuous and I'm not going to lie. I'm going to do what is right. And at the end of the day, the chips will fall where they might. Love it. Well, you've you've given so much to our listeners today, Bobby. So time for a little bit of self-promotion. How can those listening help you out? Well, I appreciate that. And really, the best way would really just come visit our, our website where you'll see it's spockautomation.com. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn under Robert uh, Mason. And, and we've got a lot of information there about the culture. There's actually a whole section where we actually go live with a with an updated website with just culture on it. It's a it's a microsite off the main one. You just hit the lift up tab and there's a series of videos and a lot of information on how we do it. And we if you are in the market and you need help turning a hybrid, a lot of we kind of kid, a lot of people can do hybrid systems with electrical and battery but not many people do as well. So if you want to do a, a well-thought-out engineered solution, we're your place. We, we're, we're pretty excited. We actually, uh, that's one of the areas that's one of our coins is gratifying. And and one of the products that we launched this year, it's a product called Energy Boss with the grid company. And it takes a diesel generator and turns it into basically, think of a Prius. So you've got stored energy with industrial batteries, inverters, and a power system that we've we've designed with a generator from manufacturer. And we're seeing an 80% reduction in diesel fuel burn and the emissions. If I'm running four hours out of 24 hours, you can imagine the emission reduction that that affords people. And, and awesome. uh, some of those technologies are pretty, pretty awesome. We're doing some really cool things on marine vessels. Anybody in those markets that needs help with uh, inverter technologies, give us a call. And if you want to know about culture, there's a lot on the website, Lift Up. Lift Up, Lift Up, Lift Up. Great closeout. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you. My pleasure. If you loved today's episode of The Dirt, make sure you rate it on your favorite platform. And if you really liked us, go ahead and leave us an honest review. Thanks again for tuning in to The Dirt.